All right, well, good morning. I'm Andy John King, and uh, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just playing. Uh, so my name is John Thaxton, and I serve here as the missions, uh, the pastor of missions and outreach, and so I'm just thankful to be here with you. Andy John is a little under the weather today, and so uh, I'm going to fill in for him today, and so I'm thankful for the opportunity just that I get to come and to share with you all. And so I've been on staff here since about January. I was with the, the Christian Academy before that, and so I just... Uh, I want to tell you how much I appreciate you all as a church. It's been a great place to serve at for these last six months and just your tremendous church. And the encouragement that I receive from each of you all is just absolutely amazing. It's a great church to be, a, be a, on staff at, and I'm very thankful for that. And so I just, I just, to you all, I say thank you officially, and I do, really do appreciate uh, all that you do and all the encouragement that you are and, and have been. Uh, like I say, I'm pastor of missions and outreach, and I am passionate about missions, and I am passionate about outreach. The Lord has allowed my wife and I to serve overseas in two different countries. Uh, but first and foremost, I'm passionate about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. First and foremost, I'm passionate about the Word of God. And it's because I'm passionate about my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and because I'm passionate about the Word of God, that I love missions and I love outreach. But God cares so much for us that he has given us his word. And what we have in his word is we learn about who God is. We learn about all of life's big questions, right? Oh, where did we come from? What's our problem? What's the solution to that problem? Where are we going in the future? Well, you know what? God has given all of that to us in Scripture. And that's why I'm a student of Scripture. I've been a student of Scripture ever since I came to faith in Jesus Christ at 16 years old. So 30 years, I'm still studying God's Word. And as long as I have breath in my life, I'm going to continue to study God's Word. And I encourage you all to do the same because God has given us everything that we need for life, and for godliness right here in this book. So today we're going to look at a few things. Uh, and, and really today, I mean, everything sort of ties back always into missions and outreach. But I'm not, going to, I'm not going to speak about missions and outreach so much today. But what I want to do is I want to do, I'm going to give you a few words today. So at the beginning here, I'm just going to mention, I think i got five words that I'm going to mention right here at the beginning. Okay, and I just want you to think and think if, uh, have I been affected by one of these five words, Okay. All right, everybody ready? Got your listening ears on? All right, so I want you to think about these words, and I want you to say, have I ever felt any of these things? All right, everybody ready? All right. Stress. Pressure. Worry. Fear. Anxiety. I don't know why I counted on my hand. It just seemed like the thing to do at the time. But All right. Stress, pressure, worry, fear, anxiety. All right, now, let's, let's do this, actually, too. Let's do this, okay. Now, I'm going to make you uncomfortable here a little bit, and just know that I'm going to go ahead and raise my hand, because I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, okay? I'm going to have my hand up already, all right? Uh, I want you to raise your hand if you have ever felt stressed, if you've ever felt worried, if you've ever felt anxious, if you've ever been fearful, or you've ever felt pressure. All right, I got two hands up. If you look around the room, I'm not going to lie to you, every hand in this room is up. We've all been affected by that, right? We all feel stress. We all worry. We feel pressure. We feel anxiety, right? We are an anxious people. We're an anxious people, aren't we? And the thing about it is, is the Lord is not surprised by that. The Lord created us. He knows us. He knows how we are. And you know what the Lord knows about each and every one of us in here that all of our hands were up? He knows that we're anxious people. 
He understands that. He knows that we're prone to fear. He knows that we're prone to worry. He knows that we're prone to anxiety. He understands that. He knows that. And fear in Scripture is mentioned repeatedly. Repeatedly. I'm sure you all have heard that fear is talked about 365 times in Scripture. I tried to fact check that a little bit this week, and I really couldn't come up with any. But what I did come up with was that over 500 times in Scripture, we see fear or anxiety or worry mentioned. So the fact of the matter is, is whether it's 365 times or 500 times or 1,000 times that the Lord mentions fear and anxiety in Scripture, we know, we know that he addresses it in Scripture. The Lord knows that we're prone to worry. The Lord knows that we're prone to fear and we're prone to anxiety. And you know what? He's addressed it right here. He's addressed the things that we need to know about that. And he's constantly telling us, do not fear. Do not be afraid. And I didn't know what songs we were doing today, and so that worked out great. You know, it says that God has been faithful in all of these things. He says, do not fear because he is faithful. Uh, I don't have time to really go over everything in Scripture. There's one particular uh, passage and one particular thing that I think of that I love probably the most when I think about God handling and talking about our fear. And this is in Exodus. And so the Israelites had just left Egypt, world power there uh, at the time, greatest army. They'd been in slavery for over 400 years. Well, God released them from slavery. Pharaoh said, okay, you guys just get out of here. And so the nation of Israel goes, they, they skedaddle on, they head on up the road. Well, then Pharaoh's heart is hardened and Pharaoh says, what did I just do? And so then Pharaoh says, I'm going to take out after these Israelites, and I'm going to utterly destroy them. And so the Israelites are, are going along. Well, then all of a sudden they see the, the whole Egyptian army coming at them. Well, the problem is, too, you look, you see the Egyptian army, the greatest army, the world power at the time, coming at you this way. Uh-oh, what was at their backs? Red Sea, all right. The Red Sea is at their backs. So they've got the world's greatest military power at the time coming forward. Red Sea at their back. You know what? I'm going to worry at this point in time. I'm going to be fearful, right? I'm thinking, there ain't no way out of this. I am about to die, right? I'm going to worry. But here's what the Lord, here's what the Lord through Moses tells the nation of Israel. And I love this. I just absolutely love this. Uh, and Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. The Lord will fight for you, you have only to be silent. He's saying you just stand there and watch God work. Don't be fearful, but sit there and see God work. And we know the rest of the story, right? Obviously, the Lord parts the Red Sea. They walk through on dry ground. The Egyptian army goes in there, and the Lord... Topples it back on top of them, right? The Lord was faithful. The Lord was faithful. And he's telling the nation of Israel, don't be afraid, guys, because I've got this. I've got this. I'll handle this. I'm in control of this, right? Now, a lot of times, and I'm proud of you men in here for lifting your hands when I mention the word fear. Because we as men, we don't like to admit when we're scared. We don't like to admit when we fear something, and we don't really like to admit to anxiety, do we? We kind of keep it bottled up inside, you know. As I was kind of thinking about this and getting ready for this, I remember back to when I was in ninth grade. And uh, this, I never have cared for snakes. I hate snakes. 
still don't to this day, you know. And so, I mean, the Lord sent us to Southeast Asia, and I thought, oh, my goodness, Lord, why are you sending me with all these snakes, you know? But I still don't like snakes to this day, but I was terrified of snakes. Well, when I was in ninth grade, this assembly came in, and this guy, he had all of these snakes and these reptiles, and he was showing us all these things. And so the entire ninth grade of my high school goes in together to this assembly. And this guy is, of course, telling us about all these snakes, and he's pulling them out. And I'm probably, you know, I'm about 100 feet away, so I'm feeling okay. I'm not next to the snakes. It's all right. It's good to go. And so then, you know, as he continues on, he stops, and he looks right at me, and he says, hey, buddy, are you afraid of snakes? And, of course, I had all my classmates around me. And Mr. Big Shot here, I said, no, man, I like snakes. As soon as I said it, I said, I have just messed up when I didn't admit to my fear. I said, no, I love them, man. And he said, well, come on up here. Give me a hand. And I thought, what? <laughs> now, didn't want to let anybody down. Wanted to still be the big shot. So I go up there and he says, all right, just hold out your arms. And he proceeds to pull out this snake that's like this big around. I think it's some kind of python or something. Biggest snake I'd ever seen in my life. Actually, it's probably about that big. So he puts it in my arms. And my face goes like, so like, it's just like hot. I could just feel this heat come all over my body. I could kind of break into this cold sweat. And all I could hear this guy saying was like, <laughs> and, I, and my heart was just racing. And I thought, man, I'm going to die. And it seemed like an eternity. But finally, this guy took this snake. I stumbled back to my seat and I said, Lord, why did, I, why did I even say that I wasn't afraid of snakes, right? But we just don't like to admit to our fear uh, as men a lot of times. We don't like to admit that we are fearful of things. But we as people are affected by these things. We're affected by, by uh, the pressures of life. We're, we have worry. We have fear. We have anxiety that's brought on by life's trials, tribulations, and problems. But, you know, this shouldn't surprise us, right? Jesus was up front and he was honest with us. In John 16, Jesus says, I have said these things to you that in me you have may, may have peace. In this world, you will have tribulations. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus is up front. He tells us this. He reminds us to take heart because he's overcome the world, that in him we may have peace. But he's up front and honest. We're going to have troubles when we're in this world, Right? We're going to face trials. We're going to face tribulations. We're going to have problems. We're going to feel the pressure of this life. But the Lord is good, and the Lord shows us how to respond to life's problems. Our natural inclination is to be fearful, to worry, to be anxious. But this isn't the Lord's desire for us, and it's not what's best for us. And this is why the Lord has told us in His Word not only does he, he, he doesn't just say, hey, don't be afraid, but he shows us how to not be anxious. He shows us how to not worry, and he does that here in his word. Um, I am a worrier, and I'm prone to worry. Uh, I, I always have been. I like to fancy myself as kind of like just go with the flow kind of person. And if you don't really know me that well, you probably think that I am. But uh, I try to hide my worry and my anxiety by calling myself a planner. But the fact of the matter is I'll have like 10 contingency plans. And that's just good old-fashioned worry right there, isn't it? 
So I'll have a contingency plan for this. Well, if this happens at this place, I'll do this. But then if this happens at this place, I'll do this. And I just have all of these contingency plans. Well, no, that's just worry, right? And I am prone to worry, and I am a worrier, and I, and I am an anxious person. And the Lord is constantly having to remind me of these things. But the Lord doesn't desire that we respond to life's trials with worry, fear, or anxiety. Uh, and we find the way that the Lord desires that we respond here in Philippians 4, 4 through 9. And that's where we're going to find most of our text today is in Philippians 4, 4 through 9. So if you've got your Bible with you and you want to turn to there, I think we'll have it on the screen as well. But we'll find most of our uh, passage there. Philippians 4, 4 through 9. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. Familiar passage to us, right? How many of you have ever read this passage before? Hands up everywhere. Very familiar passage to us. We get it. We probably memorize it, right? A lot of us have it memorized. Don't be anxious about anything, but everything through prayer and petition present your request before the Lord and the peace of God. Which, so you know, we, we know it, right? We've learned it. We know it. Do we practice it? Do we practice it? Or do we hold on to worry? Do we hold on to anxiety? Do we hold on to fear? God's shown us here how we battle those things. God's shown us here what we're to do. But it's one of those things like Pastor Dusty used to say, right? Easy preaching, hard living, right? It's easy to read that. It's easy to know what we should do. It's a lot harder for us to actually put that into practice, right? So Paul here is calling the Philippians to have attitudes of joy and reason so that they can replace anxiety with expectant and grateful prayer. So today I want to look at three ways that the Lord tells us to respond to adversity and to life's problems. So we're going to look at three ways that the Lord tells us to respond to adversity and to life's problems. We find the first one there in Philippians 4.4, right? Philippians 4.4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. So the first thing we see there of how we handle life's problems, and these aren't in any order, they're just in the order that, that God has them in Scripture there. So we rejoice, right? We rejoice always, right? So the word always, well, anybody want to take a guess at what that means? It means always, right? All the time, no matter what, no matter what the situation, no matter what the circumstance we're going through, we are to rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And for a little emphasis, because it's a hard thing to do, he says it again. He says, well, let me tell you one more time. Again, I say rejoice. Rejoice. Having that joy in all situations and in all circumstances, we are to rejoice 
And we're to, we're to have joy despite the things that are going on in our lives. Now we do this by knowing that our joy comes from the Lord and not from our situations and our circumstances. Our joy doesn't come from the things that are going on around us. Our true joy comes from that relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. And that's where our joy comes from. If we're, if we're, if we're getting our joy and our happiness from the things around us, we're not going to be a joyful, happy people much of the time, right? We are, I mean, our lives are riddled with problems, right? Our lives are riddled with problems. Our, our, our lives have pressure and stress and all of those things, right? If our joy is coming from those things, we are, we're not going to be a joyful people, are we? But our joy doesn't come from our circumstances. Our joy comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. Our joy comes from, a, a, from our God, right? And He is eternal, and he is always there, right? And so that is where we find our joy. And that is why we can find contentment as we trust in him and we trust in the Lord and in the reassurance that he is in control and that he loves us. Now, where is Paul at when he's writing to the Philippians? I heard jail, right? Paul's in prison. When Paul is writing to the church at Philippi, he's actually in prison, right? So he's in prison. And here's what he says here. In Philippians 1, uh, 12 to 13, he says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. Paul recognizes that the Lord is in control, right? He recognizes that the Lord is in control and what has happened to him is for God's glory. And for that reason, Paul rejoices. There in Philippians 1.18, Paul says, Yes, and I will rejoice. So Paul didn't look at his circumstances and his situations there to find his joy, but he found his joy in who he served. He found his joy in Jesus Christ. And so he responded to the adversity of being in prison with what? With rejoicing. And actually, Dwayne had the scripture up there. Dwayne had no idea what I was speaking on today, but the scripture he read today was actually Paul in prison, at, actually at Philippi when he was in prison, right? He was in prison, but we see Paul was there, and they were singing and praising the Lord, right? They were rejoicing despite their circumstances. The Lord is in control, and he will take care of you, and in this we rejoice. In my life, there's been so many times and so many stories that I could share with you today as far as when the Lord has reassured me of this. The Lord's reassured me, John, I've got this, so don't worry. John, I've got this, okay? You just rejoice in me, and I will take care of this. And I just want to share with you one of those stories today. And this story still wows me, but like I say, I could probably share stories with you all day about this, but uh, this is something that happened to me that I'm just still wowed by where God says, don't worry, John, I have got this. And so uh, it was right before my, my family and I, we were about to move over to overseas and uh, we had got rid of our house. We were staying with my parents in South Carolina. I had a lot of worry. I had a lot of fear. I had two small children and my wife, and I was going to drag them to Southeast Asia to a third world country that I had never been to before. And I said, Lord, I feel like you're telling me to do this, and we're going to do this. And we were set in motion, and we were, we were going. It didn't stop me from worrying about it. I was worried, I was anxious, and I was fearful. Uh, anybody ever worry about finances? You don't have to raise your hand, but I mean, probably most of us, right? 
you know, I was concerned. I was worried. I was like, Lord, I mean, like, I don't even know how to get money there. They don't even really have a banking system there. I don't even know how to do any of that. And I was concerned. I was worried about how I was going to take care of my family. Well, for whatever reason, we, uh, I, I didn't have a debit card at the time, and I didn't have a credit card. I think we were switching banks or something. I don't, can't remember that. So I was just using cash. So we were going to make one more trip up to see Tammy's family in Pennsylvania. And we were going from South Carolina to Pennsylvania to see them one more time before we moved overseas. And I had just, I grabbed some cash because I had to use cash. And we're riding up the road and we're about two hours probably from her parents' house in this little town in Pennsylvania. And we're getting hungry, so we pop into this Burger King. And uh, I go in and it's just completely crowded. I was like, we're going to have to wait forever here at this Burger King. So I said, there's a Wendy's on up the road. Let's just go up to the Wendy's up the road, you know. So we go up to the Wendy's up the road there. We, we get out the car. We go. We get our food. We sit down. We pray over our meal. We have lunch. And we're heading back to the car. Well, at this time, for whatever reason, I just started to panic a bit. I had my wallet out, going to put it in the door. I looked in there, and I said, I should have brought more cash. And I had this panic on, my, on me. I'm just like, I'm not going to have enough cash, you know. As soon as I got this out of my mouth, and I'm not, I mean, <laughs> honest here, as soon as I got that out of my mouth, ding, 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 somebody taps on my window. Now, I'm, I'm already, I'm, I'm tore up by somebody tapping on my window, and like anytime you do something, you know, when you're like panicking, of course, in my panic, I roll the window down and go, hey, man, how you doing? And so why I roll the window down, I don't know. But there's an old, old guy out there. He's got just some tattered blue jeans on and just this tattered T-shirt on, okay? And he's standing there, and I roll my window down, and I don't know what he's going to do. He shoves his hand in my window. And now by this, I'm like, huh, what's going on? He said, the Lord told me to give you this. And I can tell that he's got some money in his hand. Now, John here being, I, I don't know if it's prideful, I don't know what it is. I just said, nah, man, I'm good. You give that to somebody that really needs it. And the guy proceeds to tell me, the Lord didn't tell me to give this to somebody else. He told me to give this to you. And, I, and at this point, I said, huh. And then he proceeds to tell me the story behind it. He said, when I was in the Word this morning and I was praying, he said, I just felt the Holy Spirit telling me that I needed to give this money away today. And he said, I would know when I was supposed to give it and who I was supposed to give it to. He said, so I went to work today. He said, and I was going through work. He said, I just kept wondering, who am I supposed to give this to, Lord? Who am I supposed to give this to? And he said, it came lunchtime. He said, I go to Burger King every day at lunch. He said, every day I go to Burger King at lunch. But something, for some reason today, he said, I went to Wendy's. And he said, and I was sitting there at Wendy's eating my lunch. He said, I saw your family get out of the car and come in, he said, I just, he said, I just saw y'all come in. He said, and as soon as you sat down with your family and you began to pray with them, he said, the Holy Spirit, it was just like that. He said, I knew that you were the one that I was supposed to give this money to. God is good, right? I'm still wowed by that story. And I still in my mind, I'm thinking, man, I, I'm just, I'm amazed at how God uses that, right? And the Lord is just telling me, look, John, I've got this. Quit worrying about it. What you need to do, John, is you just need to rejoice in who I am. You just need to rejoice in the God that I am. You just need to rejoice in me, right? And so all of those things, he still reminds me of that. In Scripture, one of my favorite stories, uh, really just about being this reassurance, right? As we start to worry, God reassures us of these things. This is in 2 Kings, and, and the, the, the prophet of the day is Elisha. And as there's a, a, an invading army that's surrounding the city there, 
and Elisha's servant is terrified. Okay, and here's what he says in 2 Kings 6, 15 through 17. When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? And he said, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O oh Lord, please open the, his eyes so that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. I love that story because as this servant is terrified, he's fearful. He says, oh no, this is it. This is all that's over. God says, look, I got this. And Elisha realizes it too. He says, Lord, just show this guy what, what you got. And he opens his eyes and we see all of that. What we do have though, we have this. We have story after story after story in here of God's faithfulness to us. So we can rejoice in him. We rejoice because we know that he's going to care for us. We know that he's going to do that. And in your own lives, you have stories too. You have stories of where God has been faithful to you, where God has taken care of things, and where you're like, man, I, I didn't need to worry about that, right? And so God will take care of that. So when we're tempted to worry and to fear, let's pause and rejoice in the Lord. Let's rejoice in who he is, rejoice in what he has done, and rejoice in what he has done for you, and rejoice in what he is going to do. So when we're, when we're prone to fear, when we're prone to worry, let's pause, put the pause button on that and just start rejoicing in the Lord. And the Lord will change our hearts and he'll change our minds. Another way that we see here that Paul says, or that the Lord tells us to respond to adversity is to think of others first. To think of others first. See that in Philippians 4, 5. Philippians 4, 5 says, Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. So that word that they translate into reasonableness can also be translated, some of your translations might say gentleness, or it might mean to be considerate, being considerate. The New Living Translation puts it this way. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all that you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. So being considerate of others and thinking of others is crucial in keeping unity in the body of Christ, which is the church. It's crucial to think of others before ourselves. And we need to seek what is best for everyone and not just what's best for us. So we're to get along with others and do the things for the good of everyone. And in order to do this, we have to think less of ourselves and our own problems, and more about other people. Our problems and our stressors and our worries, they have a tendency to consume us, don't they? We get consumed by those things. Uh, and sometimes it's all that we can think about is our own problems. And I know for me, when I, when I am involved in something and I'm just stressed about something and I'm worried about something, that's generally like almost all that I can think about. Well, here the Lord says, Instead of doing that and thinking about your own problems, think about other people. And it's amazing what that will do for us. It's amazing what it'll do for us. So he tells us to think of others. It gets our mind off of our own problems and away from worry and towards trusting in the Lord, right? And so there's a few scriptures I want to look at really briefly today about this. So uh, Paul and his companions really exemplify this in 1 Thess Thessalonians 2, 1 and 2. 
He says, For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. Paul had been in prison. He had been mistreated. That's what we read earlier in Acts, right? At the church of Philippi. I mean, at the, in, in Philippi, he'd been in prison, been treated harshly, been treated badly. But in the midst of that conflict, he didn't think about that, but instead he thought about the great need of the Thessalonians. The Thessalonians had not heard the gospel of Christ. So he said, you know, instead of me sitting here worrying about my problems, you know what? I'm going to go and take care of your problems. So he shifted his focus in thinking on that. Instead of thinking about his conflict, because he says here, what? what does he say? In the midst of much conflict, I came to you, right? I came to you. He thought of them before he thought of himself. Uh, he did what was best for them. See another example of this here in 2 Corinthians. And we see in 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 5. It says, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this not as expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. So the churches of Macedonia were in uh, severe affliction, as the scriptures say. They were in extreme poverty. But instead of thinking about their own severe affliction and their own severe poverty, Paul says they literally begged him to be a part of taking care of the needs of the church of Jerusalem. So Paul was collecting this, this offering to take care of the needs in Jerusalem where they were facing famine, and they begged to be a part of that, ignoring their own problems, not being consumed by their own problems, but saying, they, it says they committed themselves first uh, to the Lord and then by His will to us. Their first priority wasn't their own problems. Their first priority was being obedient to the Lord and through that, through their obedience to the Lord, they beg to be a part of solving someone else's problem. So another way that we overcome anxiety is we think of others above ourselves. When we're prone to worry and be consumed with our own problems, let's think about others and how we can help them. That helps to get our mind off of our things and we care for others. Obviously, the best example of this is Jesus Christ, right? The best example of this is Jesus Christ. We see in Philippians 2, 3 through 8, he says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not look to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind amongst yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. By taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So our Lord and Savior wasn't concerned about his own problems, 
but more so he was concerned about our problems. And again, another way that we, that we battle anxiety, that we battle the, the adversity that we face in our life is to think of others above ourselves. The third way that we see here is seen in Philippians uh, 4.6. Philippians 4.6 tells us this, says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. We're told not to be anxious. We are told not to worry. And God does, doesn't just say, hey, just don't do that. But he says, hey, instead of doing that, pray about it, right? He says, pray about it. Pray about those things. We pray to a God who is in control. We pray to a God who loves us. We pray to a God who wants what's best for us. And that's the God that we're reaching out to. We might as well reach out to someone that can control things, right? When we worry and we're anxious about things, it doesn't increase any control we have over it, right? It doesn't help us at all. But let's pray about it. Let's go to the one who does have control over all things, who can solve things, who can solve those problems. Um, a little story about this one. So when, when my family and I first arrived in this little country in Southeast Asia, persecution is very heavy there. Uh, obviously, when you come to faith in Jesus Christ, uh, a lot of times your families would kick them out of the house. They would be kicked out of their villages, and they would really be kind of shunned by the community. It would be difficult for them to find work. Uh, so this is very heavy stuff, right? This is heavy persecution. When we first got to this uh, uh, to Southeast Asia there, uh, we met this young lady. We were, uh, she was working in a, in a diner, and, and obviously part of cultural learning is the food, you know. And so we, we, we did love the food there, but every once in a while we had a hankering for some, uh, for some Western food, you know. We had a hankering for a hamburger or something. So there was a restaurant in our, in our little town where we lived that, uh, that served some Western food, and so we began to go there. We met this young lady, and her name was Hen. And the, the amazing thing is as we were learning language, she actually spoke great English, and so it was great, great opportunity for us, and so we began to get to know her and then to talk to her, and one day she's sitting there, and she's reading a Bible, you know, and like we're looking at her, we're like, that looks like a Bible, and so we asked her, we said, well, you know, are you, are, you a, are you a believer? And she had come to faith in Christ probably about six months earlier, and, uh, and she was being discipled by some other missionaries, and of course, later we got to know everybody. We were, we were fresh and new at this time, but we began to get to know the other missionaries that were, that were there in our, in our, in our town and in our city. And uh, as we began to talk to her, the pressure was just weighing on her. The pressure that she wanted to tell her family what had happened in her life. She desired to tell her family about Jesus Christ, about this change that had made in her life. But the pressure on her was this. I tell my family they kick me out of the house. I tell my family they kick me out of the village. I tell my family, I, I mean, basically my whole life, I, I, I don't know what I will do, Right? Family to them means more than life itself. And I know for us, in our American context, we, don't, we, we understand that a little bit, but not to that extreme of what family really means to them. So she didn't know what to do. So Hen begins to pray about it. And she says, I don't know what to do, and she just prays. She goes to the one who can do something about it. So Hen begins to pray. And we continue to check up on her, and of course our paths begin to cross more and more and more. And uh, Hen continues to pray. Six months go into it, Hen's still praying. Year later, Hen's still praying. Well, she comes and tells us a story. She said she was sitting there one night, 
And she was praying and reading her Bible, and she said, I just couldn't take it anymore. She said, I just had to tell my family. So she said, I just stood up, and I was going to tell my family. And she said, and just, there was a knock at my door. She said, I opened my door. She said, it was my sister. And she said, Ken, I've been having dreams about this guy named Jesus. Do you know anything about that? And he had said, just so happens, I do. Shared the gospel with her sister. Her sister accepts Christ that night. So you have two of them. Then they come together, and guess what they start doing? They start praying together, right? They didn't, they, they of course felt the pressure. They felt the pressure of persecution. They felt the pressure of all of these things, right? But they began to pray, right? They began to pray again for the rest of the family. Well, about six months later, a third sister comes to faith in Christ. A few months later, their fourth sister comes to faith in Christ. Uh, a few months later, and this over now this is about a period of about two and a half years. Well, the four sisters are together praying. Well, their mom comes to faith in Christ. And then after a period of about three years, guess who else comes to faith in Christ? Their father. And so we have six people that have come to Christ there in a matter of three years because Hen said, I'm not just going to worry about this, and I don't know what to do about it. I'm going to pray about it. God, I'm giving this to you, Lord, right? And we serve a God who works miracles. And that's why he says, don't worry about this stuff. Don't be anxious about this stuff because worrying is not going to do anything for you. He says, bring it to me because I'm the one that can do something about this, right? And so we go to him, right? The Lord always answers our prayers. May not be how we think he should answer them, but I promise you the Lord always answers our prayers and we serve a good God. We serve a good Father who wants what's best for us. And for this, we thank God in advance and we rejoice when he gives us this and he gives us his peace. Now, kind of think for just a moment here how heavy and burdened you feel when you worry about something. We don't feel good physically when we're worried, do we? When we have anxiety, when we're fearful of something, we don't feel physically good. We feel a burden on us that we just can't shake, and we feel that way, right? And it's just not good. The opposite of that feeling is a feeling of peace, and that's what Jesus said he offers us, right? He says he gives us peace. Philippians 4, 7 says, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and will guard your minds in Christ Jesus. This is what he offers us. Jesus offers us peace when we go to him. So as we face life's problems, as we face the adversities that we know we're going to face, that we're facing right now, he says, come to me. He says, rejoice in me. Rejoice in who I am. Rejoice in what I've done. He says, hey, think about others over yourself. Think about other people. Put your problems to the side and start taking care of other people, and you'll be amazed at what that will do. He says, come to me in prayer, and I will give you the peace that you need. So when we think about those things, the great thing is, again, God understands how we tick. He understands that we are an anxious people, but he gives us the solution to this. And we have to be constantly reminded because even though I know this, the Lord's having to remind me constantly, right? So that's why I'm in his word every day. That's why I'm spending time with him in prayer every day because I'm a, I'm a big old bag of mess and the Lord knows it. And so that's why I continue to go to him and he continues to give me that strength, right? Now, our minds are a powerful thing as we close today. We know that our minds are powerful. Our minds allow fear to creep in. Our minds allow doubt to creep in. 
our mind allows worries to creep in, right? Uh, I mean, even today, I was sitting here, I, I prepared this message, and then as I, was, as I was looking back over right before I came in here, it was like, dude, is the Lord really supposed to do this one? You really supposed to preach this? Maybe, you know, should you do something? Else? I mean, it was like creeping in. I was like, of course, you know, Lord, what, what am I thinking here, right? Our minds are powerful, and they do crazy things to us, right? So how do we battle it again here at the end? He tells us in verses 8 and 9, here's how we battle our minds. He says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. The Lord is good. The Lord cares about us. He desires that we be of sound mind and a sound heart. Our spiritual health begins with a relationship with Jesus Christ. So today as we close out, I want to ask you, have you placed your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ? Do you actually have this to go to? Have you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? If not, let me encourage you, today's the day. We simply admit to God that we are sinners, that we need Him, and we believe that Jesus died in our place. And we confess that He is Lord. And Jesus will come into our lives. He will change our lives. He will be our rock. He will be our strength. And He'll be our refuge. So let me encourage you today, if you have not placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, today's the day. Also today, I don't know what your exact struggle is. I don't know what your stress is. I don't know what your worry is. But you know what? God already knows. God knows what you're holding on to. God knows what you're keeping back from Him. He knows, and He tells us. He tells us to just come to Him, right? Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, Jesus says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden with burdens, and I will give you rest. Jesus just says, just come to me. Jesus says, come to me just the way you are. He doesn't say, hey, clean yourself up, quit worrying about stuff. He says, no, come to me now. Come to me with your worries. Come to me with these things that that are bugging you. Come to me with these things, right? And he says, hey, I'm gentle. Just come to me, and I'll take care of these things. And that's what we have. So if you're here today and you need to talk to somebody, we are here. We'll be down here at the front. We've also got counselors that are more than happy to talk with you as well. Or you can catch us afterwards, or you can call us, you can email us. Just don't let too much time pass by on you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank you so much, Lord, for who you are, Lord. We praise you, Lord, for who you are, God. I thank you, God, that you don't leave us alone with our worries and with our burdens, Lord. But you, God, have provided a way out for us, Lord. You've told us, God, to rejoice in you, Lord. And we do rejoice in you, God. We rejoice in the fact, Lord, that you are in control of all things. We rejoice in the fact that you have changed our lives, Lord. And we praise you for that, Lord. Help us not to just focus on ourselves, Lord, but to think about the needs of others, Lord. I pray, Lord, too, Lord, that we would just go to you in prayer, God. And if anyone, Lord, today needs you as their Lord and Savior, Lord, I pray that they would come, Lord that they would just come surrender their lives, Lord. If anybody here, Lord, is holding on to things, Lord, that are stressing them out, Lord, that are holding on to anxiety, Lord, that are hanging on to fear, Lord, I pray, Lord, that today that they would cast those things at your feet, Lord, that they would just release that burden to you, God, and that you, Lord Jesus, would give them peace, Lord. We love you, and we thank you so much, God, for who you are, Lord. In your name we pray, Jesus.
Amen.